I can't believe that I have to sound like the positive one sometimes, but it's like, just, are, are you fans? Do, do you enjoy when we win the game? Do you go to bed happy or do you like, or did you hate watching? What's going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Maggio, with my co-host, Sean and Dean, today. What's going on, boys? How's everything? Feeling good. Uh, Ain't complaining. How you doing? Um, the Knicks are winning basketball games, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's a better time in New York right now. Uh, you know, we can get out of the the tanking demands every day that I see on the timelines briefly. And uh, enjoy uh, a slightly winning basketball. Um, you know, I think we're back into what six seed out east. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, that that's playoffs. That's not play ins at this moment in time, baby. So we got to talk like we're a playoff team. Um, so how are we feeling? You know, Sean, I'm just gonna lob it up to you. General thoughts on the little streak that they're having right now. You know, you know, it wasn't anything. I wouldn't say lights out, but just overall, what what are you seeing? You know, they, they climbed back up after we were in what, you know, 10th, 11th territory for a little bit. Uh, so, how, how, you know, how are things feeling? How are things looking? How are you enjoying what you've been seeing? Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm having a blast, man. I'm, I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing, uh, you know, uh, and part of the reason I'm enjoying what I'm seeing is because I'm seeing what I asked for. I'm seeing what a lot of us asked for. Like, you know, just play the youth. Uh, you know, I was saying I, I, from the before the season, last season, we all like we we're all on the same page here of Evan Fournier did not need to play basketball on this team. Um, you know, I was like, hey, Quentin Grimes is right there. Emmanuel Quick is right there. Cam Reddish is a better option. Even Deuce McBride can come in and impact the game. And lo and behold, we've got Deuce McBride here impacting games and like having an impact on winning. And it's really nice to see him getting his opportunity as well. And I feel like sometimes, you know, we talk about guys getting opportunity and stuff like that. You know, the fact that Deuce got here and seemed ready to play and ready to help and contribute and just simply wouldn't get an opportunity. And, you know, it was getting sent down to the G League and things like that. Um, so it's really nice to see him out there and thriving and impacting the games the way he's clearly shown that he can. Uh, you know, Julius Randle has been incredible, um, you know, playing out of his mind. And he's like playing like he's interested on the defensive end, which is very, 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 uh, you know, very good for us and very, I mean, it makes us much easier to watch. Uh, RJ looks good. He's back in a flow. That takes away the pain of some of the games we had to watch this year. Um, and Mitchell Robinson has just been all over the place. It's just, you know, we're seeing, we have one of the youngest rotations in the entire NBA, you know, and that's still with Quick coming off the bench and giving us excellent production. That's Quentin Grimes. Uh, Quentin Grimes, Deuce, and Quick together are holding teams to 16% from the three-point line in their minutes together. Like, that's insanity. Um, and so, you know, we're seeing things that we've wanted to see, and these are things that are sustainable um, and not only sustainable, but have a lot of room for growth moving forward. So I'm very excited. How are you feeling, Dan? Yeah, the crazy thing about, you know, playing these kids, aside from Nick fans just wanting to see the young players on their favorite team get some run, is that for this coach and this team that we have, we need these young players for what they specifically do. 
if Deuce McBride and Quinn Grimes were young players who were interesting but were bad defenders, I don't think we would have been calling for them to play as much. But, you know, especially with someone like Deuce, he's not someone who is going to come in in garbage time and do something crazy offensively that's going to get the fans and the coaches, you know, thinking about, is this guy someone who deserves more minutes? With Deuce McBride, you're going to see his impact in a regular rotation role, even if it's somewhat minor, even if it's the 13, 14 minutes that Derek Rose had been playing, he just makes a big difference. And when we're talking about putting in two good defenders to the lineup, Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride, I think they also elevate the play of RJ Barrett and Julius Randle. People feed off of that. You have to improve a little bit on defense to improve a lot on defense. And we've seen the Knicks improve a lot. I think it's a byproduct of some of the changes to the rotation. And it's something that I expect to continue, maybe not holding people under a hundred with consistency, but I believe in the direction that this team is, is headed, especially on defense. Yeah. So a couple notes. Um, I, I do love the defensive effort uh, as a team, but I do think it, a lot of it starts with Mitchell Robinson coming back. I think it makes, it makes it easier to play defense when Mitchell Robinson is like back and healthy and rolling. It just, it just does. He cleans up, all the messes on both sides of the floor. Offensive glass, he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. But defensively, it just makes it easier to know, like, you have a guy who's going to be able to cover so much ground uh, and, and help cover some of your mistakes. And you could play a little bit more freely and play how you sort of want to on the defensive end, on the perimeter, how you want to press a little bit. Maybe you don't have to drop as early, drop as often, you know, you know that's something that we've complained about a lot too. So seeing the capable defenders that they've added to the mix with Mitch coming back, it's like a double way. I mean, you know, you take away Evan Fournier and it's already a fantastic defensive improvement. If any one of the three of us on this call right now, we're playing defense in his place, let alone capable NBA defenders, especially good ones when they're healthy, like a Quentin Grimes, like a Deuce McBride, uh, like an RJ when he's got his shit together. Um, this is what, you wanted to see, you know, even like Sean mentioned with Julius Randle, like this is, I wouldn't say like another resurgent season as much as it is like one on offense, like he's not shooting career worst again. And it's nice. This is the more middling expectation where we had for his percentages after, you know, two seasons ago. Right. And then defensively, yeah, like the effort's been there more of the time than it hasn't been. Of course, every player is going to have lapses and things like that, but especially over the uh, last 10 to 12 games, I think effort level wise is pretty much what you can ask for really kind of going back to the West coast trip, I feel in large, but especially like the last 10 or so games. And uh, it's just, it's good to see, Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, for better or for worse, like this is what we're locked into for the future. Right. Uh, It seems like they're not urgent to move off Julius Randle. So, um, while he's here, you want to see him play good basketball. He's producing. He's putting the ball in. It's been not any fish it. So let's just hope hope it sustains. We're at the quarter mark now, and things are looking pretty good. They're rolling. So let's just see what happens. You know, uh, Jalen Brunson's been upgraded to questionable for tomorrow's game. So hopefully we get him back into the mix as well very quickly. But um, I, I'm now more hopeful with Jalen even coming back, just with how the defense looks. Like this is what you want for Jalen Brunson to kind of be able to, you know, to operate in and focus on the offense more and know that, okay, Quentin Grimes can come in and provide good defensive minutes where we're not going to be allowing a lot of points. And, you know, um, you know, it's just a better situation for him to kind of like re-enter now. So I'm excited to see what it looks like, you know, once we're more or less fully healthy with like the proper tightened rotation. Um, but this is, 
if we were going to be a playoff team, this is kind of how we would have to look. You know, um, you'd have to hope that the offense is going to continue to be good enough. And then you have to hope that the defense is going to be able to hold their own more often than not, because a lot of these guys are capable enough to do so. And with that, like, I don't see any reason they can't be sixth. Like, this is all I like. And it sounds pathetic. But this is what I've been asking for for a while. And you guys can attest to this. I keep saying things like be the heat. Just get in. I don't care if you're the seventh seed. I don't care if you're the fourth seed, the five seed. Just get in. Like, figure it out. This is about where I think that they should be. And all year they've beaten teams more or less that they should be. They've had some trouble with the better teams, but lately they've been playing good basketball. So I'm encouraged. This is like the higher end of the performance expectations I felt like for this roster. Um, So if there's no real upgrades coming their way, if they're playing basketball like this, I think we should continue to enjoy it. You know, we just want to see them win games, play hard. You know, I like what I'm seeing. Uh, I'm not like the the old 90s fan, like, oh, I, this is the defense I love. Like, it's good to see that they're playing defense just in a, like, they're figuring it out way. Because a lot of nights it felt like they were very lost. There wasn't very, like, a cohesive effort. Now when I, you know, we look at them, it looks like they're playing a little bit more together again. You know, it, we didn't really see that a lot last year. It seems like, I'm not trying to be like, all vibes are great now type guy either, but the vibes do feel a little bit better right now. Emmanuel quickly has been playing really good basketball. You know, the only real negative here is Obi Toppin is going to be out a little while. Uh, that's the unfortunate thing. I, I know much, Dean, like I, I feel it, you know, in, in your heart every day. It's got to be a heavy thing to live with this burden, uh, you know, the the, the leader uh, of, the, of the Obi Toppin bandwagon. But it seems like he's going to miss a little bit of time. It doesn't seem like anything overly serious, but I do. I wanted to bring this up on the pod. I do wonder how long he was struggling with it because he didn't seem like himself entirely the week or so before like they officially pulled him, you know, like he was still playing, you know, and it, it wasn't anything like it jumped off the screen, but it felt like he was playing a little bit slower and, and his minutes that they did have with that bench unit didn't feel like they were playing as fast as they normally do when he's in there. So I do wonder if it's something that's been bothering for a little while. He tried to play through and then ultimately it kind of caught up to him. And now it's kind of a little bit of an issue, but uh, what was the initial prognosis what a couple of weeks he's gonna miss at least two weeks or so i think they were gonna check back in in three uh, i think that we've been seeing that the general timetable for this injury is closer to four or five weeks so it's gonna be a little while here it sucks no it absolutely it sucks, yeah, sucks. It, sucks. it absolutely sucks um shifting my focus to just the knicks as a whole and how good they've looked and i do think that they can fill for the production that they'll be missing from Obi, especially because as I've said many times, you know, Obi's not playing quite that much. So they should be able to pivot. This is going to mean more RJ Barrett at the backup four, uh, you know, with those bench units. And we saw him thrive there quite a lot in recent games. I think he'll continue to do so. I'm a little bit worried. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit worried that the Knicks will play really well over this stretch and Tibbs will not want to change the formula at that moment. Um, I would hope that Obi is too entrenched in the team's plans to end up being a casualty of a short ish term injury like this, but it could happen. Um, nonetheless, I think it's important and crucial to the next season that RJ has been playing better. Like this team is sitting in sixth right now. That's probably where they should be coming into the season. No one had the craziest of high-end expectations for the Knicks, but also we thought that this was a team with a pretty high floor. And what made that floor seem lower, astronomically lower, was the struggles of R.J. Barrett 
and the lack of effort on defense from Randall, because then at that point, Brunson was the only one of the Knicks, you know, top three who was really playing at or above expectations. Now, Randall is certainly exceeding expectations and RJ is starting to get back to where we expected him to be. And I think that the lineup change, getting Grimes in there, replacing, so you replace Evan Fournier and Derrick Rose with Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride. The defense looks a lot better. Team just looks more formidable. And so, you know, we um, we are going to talk about what's going to happen with some of these guys who are out of the rotation with Derrick Rose, Cam Reddish, and Evan Fournier. And I think that I think I would I would like to hear your guys' opinion on that now, actually. So uh the rumor was that there was a discussion between the Knicks and the Lakers about sending loosely, sending Evan Fournier and Cam Reddish for Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn. I don't know what else would be involved on top of that. Some picks. I think the Lakers would need to put more money in that deal. The general idea there would be getting off of Evan Fournier's contract one year early. So do you guys have thoughts on that and where that might go if that's something that you would want to see pursued i i I couldn't possibly be any less moved by any evan fournier rumors i don't care like i really don't care i don't care about getting his money out now i don't care like he's an expiring contract this summer that's all i know like uh this this uh, these rumors that are coming up as if we need to give up extra assets to get off of his contract Get off of his contract to do what exactly? Like, is there some? Is this soccer? Like, is there like a spending spree in the middle of the season? No, like that's fine. When we need to move that money, it'll be this. Honestly, I feel like if you're gonna make a whether we're holding our chips for a big player trade or whatever, like at that point this summer, he's an expiring contract with a good, a sizable amount of money. If you got a bunch of young guys who you're gonna be combining with the, you know, like in every not to go back to the Donovan Mitchell thing, but. In every Donovan Mitchell trade this summer, Evan Fournier was included because the money had to match. And so I feel like he has more work to us in that in that way at this point. And if we don't use him that way, he's an expiring contract. But I don't know where this uh, notion that we have to get rid of, like he's an exp- a contract, we have to move and we have to attach assets because it's such a bet. Nah, like I'm cool. He can sit there, collect his DMPs in peace, and we can talk about it in the summer. Yeah, I'm mostly where Sean's at, to be honest, despite my uh, very obvious and well-documented uh, anti-Evan Fournier agenda and stance. But um, if for like, I'm pro, I'm pro getting him out of here if the trade is like, like totally lateral, like we're not really giving much up, like we're getting a couple expiring contracts this year. And like, you know, if it's like a nonsense trade like that and they want to do that and okay, like that's that's fine, but I I do sort of lean more with Sean's point of having the dead like that last year of dead weight salary is a, is no, is a very normal thing that happens in a larger trade. Um, my issue is more just continuing to not trust the front office to make that big trade, and it's more just like let's just you know why don't we just clear the fucking money a year early if it's a totally lateral trade and like. We'll fit. We'll cross that bridge if another star actually comes up, and you're actually gonna be ballsy enough to pull the trigger. But like that's just me being, you know, me on on this thing. Um, but there's no rush. Like if you got to rush to get off of the contract now, it should have been last year. If you were gonna rush to get out of it, it would have been last year. I would have I would have done it last year. I would have been more than happy to give up one, a, a first round pick or so just to to get rid of them with how many they had and how slow they are to use them. 
I would have been happy too. We already wasted one on Cam. I maybe, you know, I probably wouldn't have done the Cam deal. I'm already looking to consolidate. I probably would have just given a, a first round pick to get off of Fournier, however I could. Cut my losses, moved on. I know that, you know, the books were free and all I had to worry about was Julius's contract, paying Mitch and RJ and seeing whatever else shakes up, you know, from the younger guys you want to pay, you know, between OB, Quick, whoever else. That's how I would have approached it. But neither here nor there. There's no rush. There's no rush. If you were going to rush, it would have been last year. Now I think you should just wait and try to use him as salary. But we'll see. It's been the Lakers. It's really just been the Lakers after the Donovan Mitchell trade. That's it. Like I, Every time it comes up, it's the Lakers, and it's a different version of it. In the offseason, it was the Lakers and Julius Randle. And then it became the Lakers and Cam Reddish. And then it became the Lakers and some version of picks. So um, we'll see what it actually looks like. I'm not really moved by the rumors. But, it, you know, again, if it's lateral, happy to get him out of here. But if we're, like, forking up a bunch of picks, like, I don't see the rush at this point either. Yeah, my main takeaway from these rumors is that we heard Cam Reddish's name as sweetener. Uh, to incentivize the Lakers to take on Fournier and not Emmanuel quickly. Because we heard, I think a week, two weeks back, that the Knicks were willing to part with one of Emmanuel quickly or Cam Reddish in order to get a team to take on Fournier. And I thought that that was... The stupidest like, thing. Sound, sounded crazy because Cam oh, Reddish does not have as much value as Emmanuel quickly in a vacuum. Um, quickly is such a huge part of most of the Knicks' best lineups. Also, obviously, a fan favorite as much as uh, Cam has a major hive out there. Emmanuel quickly has been since, I mean, he got into the rotation as a rookie as the 25th pick in one of the first games of the year. And ever since then, Knicks fans have wanted him to stay there. They wanted him to have a bigger piece of it. So, and I think that's for good reason. If you look at the results so far this year. So quickly also with this new nine man rotation, I know had Tibbs had gone to a nine man rotation, gone away from it, gone back to it. His minutes are climbing. For sure. And he's coming, you know, so he's coming in five, six minutes into games. He has, and he always has uh, closed a lot of games. And this tandem that he's got with Deuce McBride, that coming in off the bench, that's an energy change. It's not like the classic sixth man comes in, he's a ball of energy and he's getting his shots up. Subbing in those two guys, probably your two best backcourt defenders that you have on the team. You know, that's when the other team's first shift, that's when the other team's starters are starting to get a little winded after their first run. And now they come in and they are now Deuce and Grimes, uh, sorry, Deuce and quickly come in and they're just putting people through hell. So, you know, there was there was one play that I highlighted off of a Randall miss free throw. Deuce McBride picks up full court. He's on his man, but he's sneaking towards the ball. Uh, guy drives to the basket. Deuce goes, rips it from him, kicks it ahead to Grimes. So these are... These are the moments that spark more effort from everyone. These young guys coming in so hungry, leading with their defense. You know, because Quentin Grimes, when we when the Knicks drafted Quentin Grimes, a lot of fans were unfamiliar with him. Uh, first thing we were drawn to was his jump shot. But it's it's the defense first with him, and it's the playmaking. And I have all the faith in the world that with more minutes and more touches, that uh, that jump shot's going to start to fall at a very high rate. But overall, I'm pretty happy with everyone in the rotation. The only only note I would have is a little more Jericho Sims and a little less Isaiah Hardenstein. By a little less means no Isaiah Hardenstein. I, I would not lose any sleep personally. I, I agree about uh, less Hart and more Sims. I think that's like the only, uh, you know, necessary tweak at this point. But, you know, I'm not going to cry about it. Um, but about the, as far as the quickly in camera, I honestly, I, I think that most of us 
like there have been rumors about everything all the time and like they nobody at all called the Derrick Rose trade at all coming like there was no report about it there was no oh this is just about to happen the Cam Reddish trade no, nothing was said about it until like four hours before it happened um like they've never had a beat on what we're doing at any point they just bring up rumors and that's why like when they said quick was going to be a test to I just knew that made such little sense that I wasn't allowing it to be a part of my reality because it didn't make any sense um and I you know, can confirm that they, teams have been calling about quick since last season, since the all-star break last year, since uh, th- th- this all season when we signed Jalen, like teams called about quick. And so the reports now of you know, interest and things like that, it's not anything that wasn't happening the whole time. So, you know, I think we can just, you know, like his value is going up now. And so it doesn't even make sense to trade him. We're finally allowing him to do what he's supposed to be doing. He's contributing to this team a lot. He's one of the most consistent players on the team. And like, you know, one of my big things this year was him getting a big role, um, despite not being like he's not able to start because of Jalen. I wanted him to still play 25 to 30 minutes a game, and with the nine man rotation, he pretty much would be able to do that consistently. Um, and he's you know been given the opportunity to be impactful, so I'm really happy about it. Yeah, um, I like seeing him grow to this kind of to me, he feels like a six starter at times this year. When, when you're going to come in more early in that first shift and you're going to close games in. Uh, the closer we get to him playing like that 30 plus minutes a night regularly, that's kind of when he starts to really enter that territory. But just the way he's starting to kind of control the games when he's in, he's kind of giving me that, you know, presence of more of a starter versus just being a ball of energy off the bench like you were talking about, Dean. So um, it's good to see him kind of progress that way. And I never bought the the quick having to be involved thing because it was the same thing I've said um you know, dating back to last year too. If you're going to use like him or Obi in, in, in an attempt for an upgrade, but especially quick because he's played a more significant role, more minutes, more regularly, um, use him in an upgrade. Like, you know, every player's got a price. Like it's the nature of the business. It's the NBA, but um, you can't use him for dumping Evan Fournier. I mean, it's it, it, Cam, I understand. Okay. Like you give him a first round pick, a protected pick. You want to see if maybe you take a chance, maybe see, you know, low risk, high reward type thing. Um, it didn't work out. Use that to get off a Fournier year early. Like that, to me, like if you're going to use that instead of a pick, like, okay, not the end of the world. You don't always got to get something of like significant value or something of like, you know, you don't always got to get a win. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just get out of a situation, call it a day, move on, make Cam happy, you know, get out of the Fournier contract. I think that's a, a fair thing. But quickly, he's like, like he he plays a real role. He's he's a good defender. Uh, he's a good playmaker. He's a good scorer. You know, scores from everywhere you want him to score for a guard. You know, hits from three, hits in the paint. Like that's what you want from from your guard. Typically, like the efficiency playbook is like get into the paint. You know, get into the paint or shoot an open three, and that's like majority of what he's doing, right? So to me, he plays like a, a modern sense of ball. That yeah, of course, teams have been interested in him. Like to me, it'd be very silly to not be interested in a man. You will quickly. Uh, the main thing is if you're going to use him, upgrade is all that I would want is that's, I feel like a pretty simple ask. I feel like fans will always be okay. If you're, if you're operating in that capacity, but if you're hesitant to make like the big trade, the Donovan Mitchell trade, and then you're giving up a big piece or, you know, what fans perceive as a bigger piece, like a manual quickly, it doesn't make sense. Like that's, that's how you lose face, uh, faith rapidly with the fan base and everybody, you know, ownership, whoever else you can't make trades like that. It's very silly. So I feel like when I read that though, I feel like that was more of a, Lakers leak than it was like a 
a Nick side of things that was very much like, which, you know, there's always a, a grain of like truth to it, right? Like the Fournier to Lakers things has legs. Okay. Like, of course it does. It wouldn't come up this often month after month, not just from fans, you know, it wouldn't keep rearing its head like this. Of course, there's going to be some interest. There's obvious reasons for both parties. Right. But the quick thing is more like, let's, let's just see if we can throw, throw names out there. That's always how it works. We throw like two or three names out there. See what sticks. Cam's like the truthful one. Quick's like the hopeful one. Hopefully you see, you know, putting it out there works in your favor. He calls a little chaos, but that felt like definitely a Lakers leak. I didn't, I didn't buy that coming from like the, the next side of things. Um, but We'll, we'll see. That's the only real trade rumor, though. I haven't heard anything else. Um, just like the little things, like the Knicks are monitoring the Zach Levine situation. The Knicks are monitoring whatever Anthony Davis or, you know, we're, we're monitoring a bunch of people as always. But that that to me is just like general NBA team. Another day that ends in Y. No, like I feel like most teams are monitoring the 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 star you know near star level tier guys you're always kind of looking so not really news I would hope that the Knicks are monitoring with more than anything so uh, but I don't think anybody's out there right now that I think they're going to do anything this season it just doesn't feel like if they weren't going to do Donovan Mitchell I didn't I didn't think they're going to do anything the rest of the season is, is how I felt so I, I don't know I mean I haven't seen anything else I haven't heard anything else and I don't feel like anything else is coming. Yeah, there'll always be there'll some at some point soon there'll be a pivot to a new star that the Knicks are supposedly chasing. Uh, what we've heard so far about Zach Levine, I don't think it rises to the level of the typical hysteria that we get when one of these rumors is really in motion. But I mean, trade rumors are more exciting when you're 14 and 13 and trying to climb higher in the Eastern Conference than when things are terrible, the mood around the team is terrible, and you're trying to figure out how to either blow it up or make such a drastic change that, you know, the fortunes of the team are elevated so much right away. And so, yeah, I think any move that we do see would be on the margins. Like, I feel like this wizards pick that the Knicks own, this pick isn't going to convey this year. If it is uh, in the top 14, the wizards have lost like 10 of 11. So they're not starting to look good there. So I could see the Knicks moving that pick something along the lines of, you know, on a, on a random day, some point almost a year ago, I found out they moved the protected pick for Cam Reddish. I think we will see something like that. Uh, a minor asset that the Knicks have used to take a chance on someone maybe they're interested in or consolidate the roster. But I don't think we have too much to talk about from a transaction standpoint. And to go with that, luckily, we have good basketball to talk about. And the Knicks are on a win streak. The East that was lauded as being extremely strong going into the year, I'm starting to see some holes there. Like I just mentioned, the Wizards have fallen off. Um, you know, coming into the year, we thought the Hornets might be in the mix for a playing spot. Lamelo Ball hasn't really played. The Hornets are very bad. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries, a lot of flux. So, I think the time, like at this point, not making the playoffs from the Knicks. It would mean that they tried and they failed. It wouldn't be any kind of like cohesive plan to be in the draft lottery and to build that way. You know, the Knicks mission is to make the playoffs. And at this point, I'm hoping that they get there. I want to see the best basketball possible for the rest of the year. Uh, whether there are roster moves made or not, I want to see a team be competitive in the first round, not the play in. I want the six seed or better. I don't want to be messing with the plan at all. You know, in the last days of the season, I want to have a comfortable lead ahead of the seventh place team. 
So that's all we could really do is watch and hope for the best. And I really like the direction it's taking. That's cool. Yeah, I like I like the direction too. Like it's it's really been fun to see. Um, I I came into the season saying that this team could win forty five to fifty games if we did the right things and took Evan Forney off the court. Um, and if we keep playing like we're playing, like with the guys that are playing, I think we could see forty five. Uh, you know, and as far as the rest of the Eastern Conference, I'm not surprised. You know, I looked down this list from the beginning and wasn't intimidated. I wasn't afraid of Chicago. I wasn't afraid of Miami. Um, you know, I, I don't feel, I don't fear Philly. I, I would rather not see Boston and I'd rather not see Milwaukee, but outside of that, there's not too many teams that in a seven game series, I'm like, Oh man, you know, we can't do that. Like I, I want all the smoke with everybody. I'd also rather not see Brooklyn because, you know, I'd rather not see Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, but uh, even there, like, I think we could compete with most of these teams, especially if we're the version of the team we've been. And I know we've been saying that a lot. It feels like every time we get something good, it's like, all right, well, if we got this consistently, then, well, you know, I think we're, some of the things we're seeing, like they look sustainable. I think that's my favorite part of these, uh, this recent play. Uh, like you like you said earlier, like Deuce and Quick and Grimes, they're raising the level of play and intensity on the defensive end for everyone else. And, you know, guys are kind of kind of getting into a rhythm. And even Jalen, Jalen hasn't shot well recently, but, you know, with Julius playing the way he is, with RJ getting it together, you know, we know that Jalen is going to be who he is. So it's like once he gets that going, and we have everything gelling consistently. Like I think this team only gets better from where we are right now. And so I think that if we get to the, you know, we get to the playoffs and it's, you know, we're the sixth seed playing the third seed Cavs or we're the fourth seed playing the fifth seed Pacers. Or like I give me all of that. I need all of that. Yeah. Um just get to the playoffs, man. Get to the playoffs and be competitive. And I you know, I feel like people, there's this conception of like, uh, if we can't get to the second round or get to get to the conference finals or, or further, that there's no point in making the playoffs at all. And, you know, depends on the team. Like, it is how those view it. You know, if this is a team where you got a lot of journeyman, one-year guys, you know, a lot of, a lot of older vets that are just playing like mediocre ball, but not quite going anywhere. I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I would understand. But wouldn't you want guy like this is a young rotation for all the bemoaning that Tibbs hates the young players, you know, now, at least this season, currently, there's a lot of young guys that make up the rotation. A lot of young guys that, that play RJ plays big minutes, you know, Quentin Grimes plays big minutes. Now Mitchell Robinson plays big minutes. Uh, Deuce is playing minutes. OB was it? playing minutes not big minutes but playing it's like these are all guys still parts of the rotation these are all just young players now and isn't that important to get them playoff reps isn't that important to get them high pressure situations where they actually have to learn as a team in big moments like and it's not just another bullshit road trip on another you know playoffless season like it's not everything it doesn't it's not like this you know amazing breakthrough moment potentially like for every player and it's not, you know, I understand, but like, I do think that there is, you know, real credence to that. Like, I want, you know, RJ to get more playoff reps. He got it a couple of years ago. He hasn't been back. I do think it matters now. You, you didn't do what you need to do last time. You were a second year player, though. So, what are you going to do now, a couple of years later? How have you grown? How are you going to improve in this situation? I'm curious to see. You always want to see that with your young players. You want to see them tested in those situations. See how good they really are when a defense is going to scheme for you specifically for a series now. 
guys know you're the job, you're the assignment. This is when you kind of like test and see what these guys are made of and how far they could take you in certain situations. It helps you make decisions about guys because you knew that they maybe you believe in a guy, right? He plays well on the regular season, but what if he can't do it in the playoffs? Maybe we have to reconsider, you know? It's like little things like this that you got to continue to think about. So I just want to see them like get in and compete. You got Jalen Brunson, right? Who's a playoff competitor that we know. We know that. And we needed that because RJ, Julius Randle, were not those guys. So at least a couple of years ago, they were, right? So being able and uh, Deuce McBride stepping in and helping out, I do think eventually, like, this is a team that could probably be a harder out than they were a couple of years ago. That's all. So even if they, they lose in the first round, if it's a, if it's a tough six-game series against a good opponent, to me, that, that's a win still. Like, it's not all, you know, it's not all linear all the time with how we want to do progression and things like that. But if this is a very young rotation and they have a very tough playoff, you know, series, that to me still matters that they got that experience. So I don't need to do all this tanking. You know, I, I think they've, they've drafted well. Maybe not everybody's been a home run pick, but they've drafted well enough that these are good connecting pieces on a good team. These are good contributing players. These are guys that could play at a high enough level. And, you know, Maybe it's time to see what they could do there. So hopefully they make it. They keep playing like this. They're going to make it. So uh, excited to see what they look like closer to the halfway point of the year now. Um, you know, this was a good way to kind of like get over that first quarter of the year mark towards the third of the year. So good to see them kind of taking that upward swing that you want to see. Um, but we'll see what holds, you know. Really, I think RJ over the last 10 is the biggest thing. If you don't make the star trade in the summer, it's because RJ needs to take a step forward. You believe that, okay, we're going to pay you now. We expect you to keep progressing. We all on this call believe that too, right? So you got to just see You got to uh, Last 10 games or so, he's really started. We'll see what the rest of the season looks like. You know, um, Got to see this guy every night, though. If they're going to get anywhere, he has to be a major contributor, and he has to be on. Like These are the expectations that come with it as you start to grow into being the guy now and having that bigger role. So, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of where he shakes out to be, but last 10 have been good. Finally, it's a, it's a better sign of life. So maybe when we look back on it, uh, sandwiched between, you know, two good 10 game stretches, it'll just be that illness. And maybe we could truly attribute it to that. I don't know. It might be a, one last excuse in and out for it, but uh, either way, good uh, last 10 or so games. Yeah, RJ is turning it around in a very important way. The Knicks are going to feed RJ a lot of touches and a whole lot of shots. So he has to be productive with them. Um, we saw the worst possible case. We've seen RJ go, you know, shoot 20% from the field in some games. And to boot, like the defense hasn't been what it had been in a couple of years past. But he's, I think he's feeding off of the team all around, playing with more energy, more urgency. And everyone's doing their job at this point. RJ's even been improving on defense. I'm sure some of that has to do with just like getting your wind as the season goes on. RJ put on some muscle in the offseason. It's not, it's not super easy uh, change to make. So RJ's been a lot better. Randall has been a lot better. And I know, as we touched on earlier, like I, I am Obi's biggest fan. I'm rooting for Obi to play as much as possible. But 
for most of the time that I've been the president of the Obi fan club, Randall hasn't been playing like this. Like Randall, uh, second team all NBA season, Obi wasn't playing well. Obi was coming off of the bench. He was a fun player, um, but he was not playing well at all. Wasn't showing me anything to want to elevate him into a bigger role. And so it was all about Julius Randall. Julius Randall was the star of the team. Last year was the perfect storm. Randall shooting falls off of a cliff. Um, the effort isn't great. He's got a situation with the fans. And Obi Toppin is starting to really flourish in this 13, 14, 15 minute per game role. But at this point, this is my first time I'm finding myself saying this in, I don't know, a year and a half. Um, I'm excited to watch Julius Randle play basketball. Julius gets the ball. He sees he's got a double coming. I feel like he's going to make the right play. I see Julius take a sidestep three. I get excited about it now. I don't know what to say. I mean, I never thought this would happen, but it's it's happening. Can I tell you my one notable like nerd thing that I noticed? Uh, that I like, I try to find one specific thing. He Julius Randle very specifically throws one-handed passes to Quentin Grimes in the left-hand corner, bullet passes. And it happened, I think it was three games ago. I count, it was like six times in the first quarter that specific pass happened. And I was like, wow. And for, it was for multiple reasons. I was like, first of all, I love that pass. It's my favorite pass. A one-hand bullet pass. I mean, that's that's as good as it gets. It's, it's accurate. It's strong. You know, I mean, on a small basketball court, the accuracy, something about it. Right. But second of all, uh, it was always the quiet, always in the corner. A couple of times he ran through like little back screens to get there. But it was the same corner at the same time. And I was like, wow, there's a real focus on getting him the ball and like in his spot where he wants it, like in the corner. Like they're, they're hunting a specific spot and a specific player. And I just thought like, good, good. This is like a that's a good thing. Right. Like. We want to see Quentin Grimes be playing more. And now he's a very central part. Like that's they're obviously working on something. And you wouldn't pass six times to the same corner to the same player if you weren't like very specifically hunting or trying to feed him the ball in a meaningful way. So I enjoy seeing that. I'm like notice somebody working like thematically in the offense. Like that's him going through his reads and like that had to be one of the first reads in whatever he was trying to do was Grimes is going to be open in the corner if he's there making the pass. And it became automatic. So I enjoyed seeing that. But it's like little things like that. To like That's what we need to be doing, like smart basketball play. It's like, is he open? Just chuck the fucking ball. Just get him the ball immediately. That's it. No no hesitation. Don't think about it. Don't. Maybe I have a step back mid-range jump shot right now. Just throw the ball. And he's been playing more simply in that. So just keep it up. Just keep it up. This is all we want. We're winning games. You're getting your numbers. Everything's great right now, man. Just just exactly this. Let's just ride this for a long time. Yeah, you know, I'm very vocal about when Julius is playing defense, like he doesn't care about team at all. Um, but he's not doing that right now. And so that's really nice to see. And you know, his energy level has picked up. And offensively, I mean, he's been hitting his jumper. And I think him hitting his jumper has opened the floor up for him, for the rest of the team. And so it's made us much better. Uh, I loved toward the end of the last game against the Kings where, you know, he was getting doubled at the high post and or right above the three-point line and RJ was making that flash cut and he was hitting him and it was allowing us to break the defense down in a different way. And I think that, you know, in 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 addition to Randall getting going, sometimes on some nights where Randall's shot is falling, it's like, oh man, we are playing Julius ball for the next 46 minutes. Um, but, you know, there was one night where we were playing, we were playing Julius ball, but Julius was moving the ball. 
And so when Julius is moving the ball, it makes our entire offense much better. And I don't mean that he never passes, but just like when he's not doing the I'm holding the ball unless I'm going to shoot it or get a direct assist on this pass right here. And he's just able to let the ball go, whether that's in transition, throwing it up ahead to the wings or, you know, making the pass before the double team gets there rather than trying to wait till the very last second. I think it opens up the entire offense. Like, you know, I, I would love to see Julius get more hockey assists. I think sometimes he tries to avoid those. But, you know, the defense reacts so much to him that he's got to let that ball go. And if he lets the ball go faster, uh, you know, in addition to him shooting well, I think it'll really increase what's going on for the whole offense. And he's been better with that recently. So I'm excited. Against the Hawks, he was playing very fast. And he was out in transition more. And uh, I think we had talked about it in Slack that night. But it, it reminded us more of, like, that New Orleans Julius, the small ball five Julius. and. That's sort of why I was always excited to try to sign him in the beginning. Uh, obviously, my initial idea for the Knicks was him and KP was my initial like little pairing. Um, but that's why I kind of wanted him. I was like, you could play him at the four, and then you could play him small ball five. And normally when you play him specifically at center, he pushes the ball a different way. And that's why we get excited when we see him finally do it again, because it's like, bro, like that's you end up getting like probably three, four easy layups a game if you're just like giving the ball up because you, you always get it back. Like it's a very one of the elementary things they teach you like when we're playing ball is like, you know, you're going to get it right back basically. It's like, yeah, just the, divert your man briefly like and then you're going to have the layup when you get it. It's very simple. And I feel like, I don't know if you're starting to remember it again, but like it, it's just good to see that we're at least getting it a, a little bit more on a, on a regular basis. You know, these are easy points for him. Uh, that's how you can really quickly go from like struggling to get 20 to like 23, 24 a night pretty easily. So, um, you know, just you just got to keep playing free, Sim simplified things. But it, it's been good to see the fashion of which it's happening. Yeah, and we're even seeing the return of a little bit of his mid-range prowess that seemed to have abandoned him last year. My One of my favorite Randall plays seems to happen really often when he's got it going is when he draws that foul hangs and hits from the mid-range for an and one. Um, we're seeing more of like catch the ball, rip through, take it all the way to the basket. He can really remind you how strong he is sometimes. Like he's a freight train going to the rim when he really commits to driving all the way there. And so I know that it's a small sample, but over the last few games, it feels like we're seeing the Julius from two seasons ago with some improvements, like with better decision-making. Like I have trust in him when a double comes I know exactly the type of passes you're talking about, bullet pass to the corner. And I also want to touch on how important that is because Quentin Grimes, like he needs to know that the ball is going to come to him because he's always ready to shoot. I think sometimes he's too ready. I think he rushes some of them sometimes, but he's ready to shoot it and he's going to make them at a high clip with a little bit more consistency. I have a lot of faith in that. So this lineup, this new starting lineup with Grimes in there, um, with Randall playing like this, RJ playing better, you know, even the Knicks have been playing this improved basketball with a little bit of a downswing from Jalen Brunson. And I think Jalen Brunson has like 17 different injuries right now. I wouldn't mind it if he sat a little. He's been a warrior for us, for sure. But this Jalen Brunson, Quentin Grimes, RJ Randall, and Mitch lineup, it's the lineup that most people were hoping for going into the year. I remember I ran a bunch of polls on Twitter. You know, what do you want to see? That was pretty much the consensus. And, you know, there was obviously some votes for quickly getting in there, Cam getting in there and Grimes spot. But this lineup has become the Knicks most used lineup. The last I looked at it a few games back, it was a plus eight net rating. And it's a lineup that just makes sense. Uh, that's why people were calling for it. And I'm glad to see it finally come to fruition. 
Because now instead of it being like, oh, the Knicks starting lineup is neutral or they're a slight negative or they're a big negative and then the bench comes in and saves the day. Now we have such an impactful player in Emmanuel quickly, along with a good bench in general, that comes in and is able to augment a lineup that's already playing well. So quickly integrates seamlessly into that lineup when he subs in early for RJ Barrett. And we have a, so we have a starting lineup on early returns. It's good. The bench is still good. The Knicks haven't lost in a while. So maybe we'll start to notice some things that, that could be changed. Learn a little bit more about this team once they take a couple of losses. But for now, I think the formula is just about as good as you could do with the roster, with the, with the current coach, with the situation. And so I'm I'm back to a place where I'm really excited for tip off every time it's game night. Yeah, no, all I all I used to say, I remember a couple of years before the 2020 season, before things were fun, I remember there was this like thing I used to say to like Sean and I used to say like I I I pine for the days of like the 37 win disappointing mellow era season when like you just turned the game on and even if they disappointed you that you're you knew like this is this is a good lineup overall like we we should win or we have a real chance to win like i just the even if they were mediocre like just knowing like we could win this basketball game i'm not gonna waste my two and a half hours watching my favorite basketball team it's a really like simple low bar thing but like that that's kind of what i enjoy about like being me again it sounds pathetic, but about being mediocre of a basketball team, even is just like, all right, man, we got a fucking shot tonight. They're playing good right now. You like that? That's all you can really ask for, really, in sports, you know. So, just continue to give us that, you know. Play, play a decent brand of basketball and like just keep winning most of the time. Some of the time, just have a chance. Like that's that's it. It's just nice to be able to like enjoy the wins again because it's got a little bit gross in the beginning of the season two we'd win some games and then everybody was we everybody there's so many agendas this year i lost track to be honest with you very scattered this year i don't even know where to start but to begin uh there's there's pro rj anti rj you know anti randall you know the, the cam hive the, the people still believe in rose the quickly people the people that hate i mean, will, I mean there's a I, I don't know when all these sides came out so like so strongly and clearly but uh, uh, very exhausted right so it, it's just nice that they're winning basketball games and like some of this shit could just go away. It's just root for the fucking Knicks. The Knicks are winning games. The things are okay. Uh, we don't need to keep doing the agenda things. We don't have to like nitpick a win. You know, if, if Randall has 27 points, 12 rebounds and five assists, and they only gave up a hundred points, 98 points. I, I don't need to see a, a pick, you know, a, a clip out from, from one play that he didn't play defense the way you liked the night before. Like, let's just, you know, enjoy if they're going to be a winning basketball team and, and guys are most of the time playing the way that we're hoping. Let's just enjoy it. I know it's a, it's a tough thing for us to do as a fan base. It feels like every year there's more more collective fighting, but I, I hope that people just like enjoy basketball that's happening sometimes. I feel like we don't appreciate it. We're worried about, oh, is this, is this all for nothing? Are we only going to win 41 games? Are we going to be the ninth seed? Are we going to be in purgatory? I don't know, man, but if they're going to win, why not enjoy it a little bit? You know, we're sixth right now. Uh, that's, isn't that what you want? You want to be in the thick of it? Like, why don't you just enjoy it for a little bit? Uh, I I can't believe that I have to sound like the positive one sometimes, but it's like, just, are, are you fans? Do, do you enjoy when we win the game? Do you go to bed happy or do you like, or did you hate watch it? Did you hate watch it for a certain agenda so that you could wake up the next day and, and tell me why I made it quickly is selfish or you at least didn't play defense the right way? Like, I just want people to like, 
enjoy things again just a little bit like especially Knicks fans like please like I'm so tired I, I open a space is everyone's just arguing what are we so upset about sixth place just breathe that's it uh, yeah I mean it, it, it seemed like some people are like committed to their you know narrative that they were going before the season um committed to what like what they want is because you know I just feel like we, we're getting the youth playing. Like, that was, a, oh, play the youth. We're playing vets over the kids. Oh, blah, blah, doesn't make any sense. We're getting what we asked for. And, you know, people are still singing the same songs. And I just don't understand that. Like, I'm not capable of that. And, you know, I realize, you know, we've held teams to under 100 points, uh, you know, three times in the last four games when we hadn't done it all season. Uh, we beat Trey Young by 20 points while he had on shoes that said King of Broadway. Dog, and Nick's beat the dog shit out of him. Yeah, beautiful. Beat the dog shit out of him. And people were upset about that win. And it's just like, okay, hold on. Hold on. If we can't get excited about beating the dog shit out of Trey Young, like what's really going on here? You know, like what, what what are we really doing? And so, you know, I'm glad that the more that we win and the further we get away from, you know, that long, miserable summer of everybody having their takes of what's gonna happen and what we're gonna do and talking every day when nothing was happening. Um, I think that carried over and spilled over into the season and there was some negativity in the beginning. So that just became popular. But, you know, the, the more we win, you know, I'm glad because there's people who are still committed to this. Oh, like, oh, but the Knicks are doing everything wrong. Look at what they do with Cam, this and that. And it's just like, bro, like we are in the sixth seed. We're winning basketball games. We have one of the younger associations in the league. Like, I don't know if you're going to cry about that, then uh, you're going to cry about anything. And so those people will start to sound more and more ridiculous the more we win games. And I'm just excited about that. So I'm hoping that we can go into Chicago and get both. That would be wonderful. You know, I'll be on a 60 game streak, uh, going to Indiana, maybe seven, but one at a time. So that starts with Chicago first on Wednesday. I need that dub. I need both over Chicago. I just need both over Chicago. We already have a little bit of a head start on them in the standings. Putting two W's in the Knicks on the Knicks record, two losses again, uh, you know, for the Bulls crush that head to head. If that ever comes up later in the season, if there's some kind of tiebreaker, mm -hmm. because like we said, you know, this is, this is the direction for the team. This is the vision is to make the playoffs. And so when fans call for tanking all like outright tanking in theory, I'm not opposed to tanking, but with the makeup of this team and what Leon Rose's plan is, we don't know exactly what his plan is, but it's clearly more on the side of trying to be as competitive as possible. And then making a trade for a star not really going the free agency route and definitely not going the draft route as far as high draft picks. So he's accumulating assets for a trade um, somewhere down the line. Obviously I think the time was with Donovan Mitchell. I, I, um, I still maintain that. I wish that that had gotten done, but this is what the plan is. We've heard no rumblings that James Dolan is looking to move past, you know, move on to a different front office regime I don't think we can expect that. So we just have to hope that whatever Leon's plan is, whatever we can glean from his actions so far, that it goes as well as possible. Cause it's not a crazy concept to try to be as good as you can make you make your franchise somewhere where people want to be, and then go do what it takes to get that player. It's not a crazy plan. So I think that a lot of the tanking talk, if the Knicks continue to play like this, it will disappear. Um, I think just, this is a byproduct that we've gotten to a place where being mid is like the worst insult you could be. Nobody says like, oh, that team's trash. They say, oh, they're mid. 
And that's the worst thing. You could be as mid because it doesn't let you be great. And if you're not terrible, you'll never be better than mid. But the Knicks are 14 and 13. So they're one game above mid. And, you know, just going to keep uh, keep putting more cushion on that. But I want to see this team get to at least a six-game win streak. I think the Bulls should honestly be light work. It should be two wins. Wanted to get your guys' opinions real quick. Do, do, are you guys fans of this new series set up with the double road games or the, the back-to-back, like make it a little two-game series uh, at a certain location? Because I am. I, I, I think that's... That's that's the stuff. That's how you build some some rivalries. Like you know, like that Suns Pelicans thing was the perfect example of it. Um, like that's 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 how you draw it up, man. Like you get get a little bad blood one night, you got to wake up in the, the same city the next day. You don't want to be there. You got to go play these fucking guys again. It's not gonna happen every night, but like, I like it. I like it a lot. I, I like it, and it, it really gives us the opportunity, especially like. You know, I was thinking for a second I would like it better if we were the home team. But I, I like the opportunity to come into your building and beat you twice. Like, um, I, I want to come into your building and beat you twice and let you know that you can't play with us. And when you see us again, it's going to be our building. We're going to smack the shit out of you. Yeah, um, unfortunately, the Knicks' best candidate for uh, to replicate what Zion did would be Obi. I think that um, Obi in a walking boot and crutches could still dunk it from the free throw line and make the other team very upset with like eight seconds left in a game. But yeah, I mean, I'd, I I would love uh, the emergence of a new rivalry. And yeah, what happened with the Suns and Pelicans was a lot of fun. So I'm a big fan of this. I hope that I hope that we have a lot of fun with these next two games. Maybe we split them. I'm not thinking about a world where it's over two, but if we split them, I hope that it's a lot of fun and maybe a little bit of a rivalry is uh, fired up there. I always love we play Chicago. I used to have a lot of these conversations with Corbo about like we, we we would enjoy games, just aesthetically pleasing games when they would play on a certain court and like the color matchup. Like that's something we used to, we used to just go on about. And I, for me, like I love when they play in Chicago. I love seeing those blue jerseys play in Chicago. I think it's it, to me it's it's always one of the it's like it's like peak like nostalgia NBA in my brain. It's like those colors, that court, like. I, I don't know. Like, and you, you guys all have certain courts where are just like, man, like, I, I love it when they go to Portland or I love it when they go to, like, so, some I don't. Some no, I hate. I, I, I hate also when love go. when they go to Chicago. Chicago's great, right? Like, they, so, so some of these courts are like, I like when they go to LA, like for the Lakers, but like normally they lose when they play the Lakers. Court, like, uniform wise, looks good. Normally I like what I see, but. Small things, man. Some small things in NBA fandom that you have to appreciate. Uh, and this is one of them for me. So anyway, uh, but what else do we have on this uh, this agenda tonight while we're here? You guys have any last last takes, last notes you want to get into here? Um, so one, Mitchell Robinson has been dominant and he's doing it on a very consistent basis. Uh, his impact goes far beyond the stat sheet, but it also is looking really good in the stat sheet, which I like. Um, and I do want to say, I don't know if, so we, when we played Charlotte, I told Dennis and told RJ to start like really playing defense, like for real. I was like, yo, like I, him missing shots is one thing, but like, I'm, I'm out here fighting for my life with him. I need him to play like he cares. 
And so I was like, you got to let him know that. I was like, you could let him know because Dennis was, oh, he had an ankle. But I was like, you could let him know after the game because I understand you're not going to tell somebody to lock your teammates up. But, like, I need you to let him know, for, like, personally from me. And he was like, all right, I got you. I don't know if he did it or not. But, you know, next game, RJ had three steals, two blocks. And I just, he's, I, I think that where we're at with RJ right now, I think it's only up from here. I feel like I called it last year when the report came out that Julius Randle, uh, you know, was out for COVID. Um, I, after saying that I wished him a speedy recovery, I was like, RJ is about to go nuts. And from that point on, he averaged 25 a game. And so I think now I can say, like, you know, we're done with this up and down thing. I'm done with people saying he's having a bad year. It's up for RJ Bear for the rest of the season from here on out. So just wanted to make that proclamation. Like, uh, yeah. If I had a last thought, I would definitely piggyback off of what uh, Sean was saying about Mitch. I just think people in general need to respect Mitch more. Enough of the talk that you know some low-paid free agency signing could replicate what Mitchell Robinson does. Like Mitchell Robinson is the best of the best at the things that he does. This offensive rebounding, and he like people want to talk about um, Snapchat story and Instagram story or something where he's saying he wants to do more moves. There's nothing to talk about there. Mitch has the most thankless job in the NBA. Like watch, just only watch Mitch when you're watching the Knicks play basketball. He's just banging around with people and grabbing offensive rebounds and playing elite defense. Nobody's looking at him on offense. He's doing exactly what he needs to do all the time. And I think we ought to respect him more because he's been a huge catalyst to the Knicks improved defense and their improved play overall. Yeah. So a couple things here. First of all, um, We've all been Mitchell Robinson respecters for quite some time. So don't think I'm insulting you gentlemen, but I've been on this big, this big angry rant these last couple of weeks about he's not getting enough respect. I don't, I know that, you know, you guys talk about it as well, but it's like, I just, I don't get what this focus is. Uh, it's an NBA fandom thing in general. These, this new age thing. Uh, I sound like the boomer now. I understand, but there's this thing with, it's always what guys are in, anymore and there's no appreciation for what guys are and in some instances of course it's healthy you have to notice what guys are and where you want them to improve of course of course when it's reasonable though like you just said it's a thankless job the position he has he's one of not the not the first won't be the last center ever to complain about not getting enough touches or wanting to do more on offense so many guys whether it's a Dwight Howard with the magic or somebody in a lesser role, centers want the ball. They never really get it enough. It's just always the way that it is. Unless you're a truly dominant center from usually it was a particular era, right? The nineties, the two thousands centers don't get the ball like that. Like it's just, it is what it is, especially in this era. There's no back to the baskets. So, so what are you doing? You're running lob plays for these guys or they're cleaning up, cleaning it up misses like that. That's kind of what the job is, right? It's, of course, he's going to want to. He's a basketball player at the end of the day. Of course, he's going to want to do more. Of course, he's going to want to take jumpers. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it, it, that doesn't mean it has to be worked until the game, though. He still understands situationally when he gets in what he has to do, what he needs to do for the team to win. And he's been doing an excellent job, an elite job with the things that those yeah, he does well with that. Uh, a shot blocker, and not just that, a defender in general, the way that he forces turnovers sometimes without even doing things. Um, and then in addition to that, being a top offensive rebounder, that wasn't something he was great at when he first got into the league. He was just a shot blocker, right? And all of a sudden, now he figured out how to rebound, right? That was a big thing, too. He was lean. He couldn't get in there. He couldn't muscle some of these guys out. 
S- suddenly, we, uh, suddenly, now he's a top offensive rebounder in the league. But I'm hearing about, oh, well, he doesn't take threes, or oh, you know, for sixty million dollars we could pay. You know, uh, the Hartenstein thing died real quick too. You know, the listen, change of pace guys are fun when the change of pace is working, and when the change of pace is not working, oh, so suddenly the 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 value deal isn't where you know that now this guy can't start over Mitchell Robinson you know but it's amazing how quickly some of these agendas rise and fall but Mitchell run Mitchell's look really good man I don't know what else you could really want from him. he's trying real hard out there he looks like he's in excellent shape uh he was another guy you know last year started a little bit slow shape wise because he had added the muscle but this year he looked great coming in looked high you know energetic uh you know the only real issue was that brief injury and when he came back he's looked excellent again right so respect Mitchell Robinson man uh it's really hard to get impactful players like that uh so whether it's what you know center or not you got to respect what he's doing the contract's so reasonable i never understood complaining about it either it's it's a de- first of all it's a descending contract you know everybody likes to always correct me about when i don't like contracts like 40 years oh God, relax kyle the fourth year is not guaranteed i don't everybody likes to explain things to me mitchell robinson's got a descending contract and to begin with he's like getting paid like 15 million a year like on average right well, Fifteen million a year to have a top five shot blocker every year and a top offensive rebounder every year, just penciled in. You you wouldn't pay for that. That's not that's not a sizable amount of your cap. That's not a large amount. So it's a respectable it's a respectable contract. I don't know what else I'm supposed to say about it. And this is from a guy who was playing for free before. So I, I never th- this obsession with with Mitch. I, I get it. You know, people want more from offense, but it was very sickening. You know, they, they, nobody appreciates what he's good at anymore, especially for a fan base that always cries about defense, everything all the time. They don't care about the offense. Just wants defense all the time. You got you got this guy, things like that. But uh, yeah, Mitch is playing great, and uh, RJ picking it up on the defensive end. You love to see it. Uh, very capable. We know you could do it. Uh, do it every night because that's how we're going to be a playoff team. Like that's that simple. You know, you want this to be your show. Uh, you, you'll always have these shots. You're going to have a lot of offensive reps, uh, but make sure you're just locking up again. Like we need it. The whole thing's going to work if if that's working out. So just good things all around, man. Uh, I think we're, we are trending up. And with RJ too, like you got to know your team, man. Like sadly, we know like RJ is a slow starter a little bit. Like it just is what it is. Like, in games, whether you know it's a, a slow first half or slow first quarter of the season, like sometimes you just got to know your guys. So hopefully, this is RJ once again coming out of things once and for all. And the rest of the year, he does just turn it up like he did last year because it was nice to see. Once we basically got to December, it was like the second week of December. I think he started to go really nuts, and that was it, right? Um, especially heading into January. So let's see what happens. Uh, it, it would be nice. Um, I don't know, you know, it, it's just uh. Have a good breakout season, you know, little, little, uh, little better late than ever action. So, um, yeah. What else we got, boys? Anything else in your mind? Just waiting for these Bulls games. I think they're going to give us a lot to talk about, and I'll be excited to reconvene and discuss a six-game win streak that we're speaking into existence. Yes, sir. It would be nice. Soon come. So well, yes. we'll see if that happens. Um, you know, we played Chicago well last year. Um, last couple of years, I think we played them pretty well. So I'm not 
not really moved by anything. I think they yeah, can. I, I do not fear Chicago. That feels that's one of those fun ones where it's like this is a team of similar quality, but also a team where I feel like we 100% should beat. So I expect a fun game, pull out a win in the end. Um, I'm not worried. I, I'm expecting at least one Julius Randle masterclass, at least one RJ masterclass. How about that? I'll put that on. I'll put that on a prediction. RJ will have 30 in one of the next two games. Julius Randle will have 35 in one of the next two games. That's what I'll say. I like that. Just because we've seen Julius getting there. And by the way, last thing, uh, Julius had those back-to-back 33, 34-point games. And those games, he only had one turnover um, combined. So it really goes to what we were saying about him making the right decision when a double is coming to him. I'm looking for more of that. I appreciate it, Julius. Keep it up. So that's a good stat to leave off on. So we're going to put a ball on it there. So excellent job, Dean. Perfect antidote for the night. So uh, as always, make sure you guys are subscribed to this podcast. A very important part of podcasting is being subscribed to the actual podcast. So please, if you're not already subscribed to the DKW podcast, uh, make sure you stay tuned for all the different content we do. You'll find at the next wall on Twitter. Uh, we've also since pivoted to all the other platforms in the event that Elon Musk follows that website that hellscape so if you want to make sure you're following us at nixwell on instagram you know you can follow us on youtube of course all of our content lives there as well um follow us everywhere you can and uh that's pretty much it we should have a new tkw weekly coming up this weekend as well um so we'll talk to you guys probably on the other side of the bulls games and uh hopefully it's a little road sweep here back-to-back games and we'll talk to you on the other side take it easy let's go next